take the trip to go and listen to the little dark haired boy who played the Tennessee flat top box that he would play. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We're with, this is Missy Clifton, and we're with your host, Tom Dupree. And Elizabeth is, well, she's indisposed, unable to be here today. She's traveling. Yeah, she's traveling. And that uh, song is by Roseanne Cash. And I don't know when it came out, but I think it was maybe sometime in the 90s. And, uh... Where she was married to a guy named Rodney Kroll. Rodney uh, has had some big hits. Uh, well, I'd say medium-sized hits. And um, he's friends with all the people, you know, the Marty Stewarts, the Vince Gills, the, um, the the folks in Nashville that are kind of the the guys that are all of a certain age that, you know, have, have had pretty good careers. Um, Rodney was from... Uh, I want to say somewhere around Tyler or maybe Lufkin uh, or maybe farther up uh, in East Texas. Um, and that was a place I really got to know well when I lived in Houston because uh, to go home to Lexington, you would drive uh, straight north on Highway 59 up to, uh, well, all the way from Houston, all the way up to Texarkana, which is in the kind of northeast corner of East Texas. Uh, it's basically part of Arkansas. But the little towns in East, East Texas were you know it's mainly uh, the lumber industry uh a lot of pine which if it's pine it means it's either being sawed up into two by fours 
for house framing or they're using it to make pulp wood to make paper. And there were some good-sized paper mills up there in East Texas, but we would drive up that road sometimes at night and see the little houses with their little Christmas ornaments. Made me think of being somewhere up in Rockcastle County or someplace. And uh, Rodney Kroll, that's Roseanne Cash's husband, wrote some really good little songs about up in that area. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Kind of some, <laughs> you know, some there, there are some things in the Bible that you can almost summarize by saying what goes around comes around. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like they wouldn't have to write the whole Psalm. They could just say what goes around comes around. <laughs> so, they had a a primary in Wyoming yesterday. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting how the media is trying to frame this thing because this is uh, the repudiation of, of uh, Elizabeth Cheney, Dick Cheney's daughter, uh, and she, I mean, she's worth lots of money. Um, and so I'm looking on real clear politics and she got beat like a, I don't know what to describe it bad. What was the final thing? I'm not sure. It was, it was legitimate. Like double digits. Yeah, it, it was pretty legitimate. So, all right, the first article that pops up on real clear politics is Liz Cheney already has a 2024 strategy. That's uh, some guy for the uh, writing for the Atlantic. And then the next one after that, see ya Liz, never Trump Bush Republicanism trounced. And I had it explained to me today that there, there is a wing of the Republican party that is the Bush Cheney crowd, uh, Bill Crystal of the, I think his article, his, uh, I can't remember weekly standard. That was the name of his magazine. I don't even know if it's there anymore. I used to subscribe, but they say they're conservative, but they are big. They don't mind spending billions on defense. And we know a lot of that money gets wasted too. Um, 
Then the next article is Democrats win a big victory in climate change fight. And they're talking about this uh, inflation bill that they signed into law that basically gives you a lot of uh, tax credits to buy electric cars that don't work or will ultimately be put into a landfill themselves. Um, there is a real pull for the soul of America, and I would say that the soul of liberal America and the soul of conservative America, they have almost nothing in common right now. So it leads you to the question, you know, what really is the soul of America? I mean, is it their view, uh, and I'm not one of them, but that, you know, we should all obey the government, uh, stop driving cars, sort of go back to this kind of uh, Luddite existence, raise chickens in our backyard, uh, don't do any trade with anybody outside of our own neighborhood, uh, make absolutely certain that we get everybody's pronouns correct because, as we all know, identity and gender and sexuality are all um, sort of uh, pliable, fluid, if you will. What, what What is their vision of America? I mean, I went to a school in the South called Sewanee, a lot of the uh, the founders were decidedly Confederate. Uh, there's been a huge push in the last several years to not only uh, uh, try to negate the things that they stood for, but actually to really do away with their memory, our founders of, of our school. And, and what I've said to these people is, if you're going to do away with... Uh, uh, Charles Quintard and, and, and Leonidas Polk and the, and Kirby Smith and the, the, the founders, what is your alternative? And is it a, is it a bigger, more robust vision that we can all really get behind? And the only thing they can come up with is how bad they think the founders were. And, and I would say that this is also true. Uh, in the difference between liberalism and conservatism, because I don't see that the liberals have anything that's really robust and fulfilling that you could you sort of get behind. Um, I don't know. What do you think on that? Well, gosh, I, I, I thought we were going to talk about yeah, privacy, privacy well, okay. and the internet. Well, let's, that's fine. Let's <laughs> let's go there. I mean, let's, and I, I can talk about. Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I, I'm done on well, that. Well, I, just let me add, though, the whole you know the whole green movement. Um, I, I think it's it's interesting because the green, green movement, movement needs that, there's something weird. A big about that. central authority, and I don't think that they'll ever get it. They don't understand that it will always be captured by 
corporations that will want to just, market you know, well, yeah, that will want to control it, market it, control it, make money yeah. off of it. What about the privacy um, thing? Yeah. All right. So we were, um, you know, I, I think everybody knows the audience knows that Tom is a huge music appreciator and historian of all types of music. And I had come across this interview with David uh, Bowie and it was just an interesting, really, um, I just thought it was kind of prophetic. It was done in 1999, and he was being asked what he thought the Internet would do to society. And his, his words were that it would be exhilarating and terrifying. He said, you know, and the, the, the interviewer said to him, well, what do you mean? Isn't, isn't this just a delivery system? How, how could you be so, you know, how, how can your, your reaction to this be so dramatic? And Interestingly, David says that the interplay between the user and the provider will crush what we think we know about mediums, about, you know, uh, news delivery mediums. And it, this interview that I watched um, that I actually sent to Tom, um, I just thought was real interesting. And it caused me to take a little bit closer look at kind of some of the things that were coming out when we were first you know, I mean, and this this applies to me, but you know, in, this is in 1989. This 19 in the 1990s when this was all going on. I remember uh, reading this one guy. I was born months before the Apollo 11 mission transported the first human beings to the moon's surface, and 50 years later, the phone in my pocket has over a hundred times, a hundred thousand times the processing power of the computer that helped put them there. Yeah, it's just it's kind of really amazing. You know, we, we look back and again, I know I am a I'm an immigrant to the technology age and my kids are natives and they understand. Um, but this this interview with David Bowie just got, you know got me thinking about a lot of things. And one of the one of the main speakers that uh, in an article that I was reading was from Philip Agray. And it looks like Acre, a, a, not A-C-R-E, but A-G-R-E. Look him up. Very interesting. Uh, quite a bit. He's, you know, he was a he was a doctorate from MIT. Um, the same year that the World Wide Web was discovered, um, and he basically said it was just it was fascinating stuff that that the internet will corral human behavior into qualifiable metrics, meaning the likes, the followers, the that your entire existence will be defined in these easily identified metrics and what do we have now what do we have likes followers so i would say this i began getting on how long ago did i get onto facebook it's not been long has it uh my daughter put me on in 2007 i think that it it became outside of the education uh, you know from college kids i think you know it was in the early me me how long ago it's only been about a year and a half for me oh okay sure i don't know i I didn't i didn't put you on facebook (laughs) well i mean you were there when i got on kind of right okay uh what i mean you weren't working here yet but we were friends because we were all going to church together and stuff and i started talking about it and how much stuff have i put on facebook You've shared a lot of just uh, antidotal, historical references, kind of walk back through time. You know, but have I ever put my my soul on there? I don't. Uh, you know, I'm. I I think you share, but not in a more of a. Uh, I don't. I don't talk about what's absolutely in the abyss of my soul. 
It's more like a journalism thing. Okay. So if you... <laughs> other other people share, other people use it in a completely different way. Some people lose, use it for political reasons. Some people use it for business reasons. Some people use it to chronicle their day. Some people use it in lieu of human what, what's, interaction. What's wrong with the notion of just having company while you do what you're doing? I mean, so the only reason I would worry about somebody knowing what my likes and dislikes are and it, or having my behavior corralled would be if I felt like they were trying to manipulate me. But that was the... But you know what? Okay. I'm trying to manipulate them. What does that mean? What am I sitting here doing? I'm producing content. I'm throwing ideas out there. I If you try to manipulate me... I will manipulate back. I don't lay here supine and say, show me what my next step is because I haven't got a clue. You're simply sharing conversation and whether if, you know, but you, I have you an are, idea people are free of, to disagree I, with you. I have not. an idea of what I want out of life. There's a lot of people that don't. Some people that are supposed to be well-trained in the art of living really don't have a clue what they believe about certain things. Even people that make a living telling you this is what I believe, they don't know what they believe. There's a lot of frauds out there is what I'm trying to say. Well, for, as far as I'm concerned, it's just like, you know, you go to church, you're listening to the sermon, you take what you like and leave the rest. Um, you That's know, not how it's supposed to be. Well, I, I, it, it, it's, it's I mean, the way you're I look supposed at it. To, well, if, if I could just take what I like and leave all the rest of my life, there would be no suffering. But I'm not going to agree I, with I everybody all the time. I'm not going to I'm not agree. saying that. But here, but here's what I'm, I am saying. You can only allow somebody to own your soul if you're willing to sell it to them. Otherwise, I don't give a, you know what, about how many likes and dislikes, how they try to manipulate my behavior because I buy one color shirt. Well, you might like this one. It's all about marketing. If you think, I mean, when you, when you look at Google and you look at Facebook, where does their, they give the stuff away for free. You don't have to pay to be on Facebook. You know what? If Facebook was twenty nine ninety five a month and they're not going to do anything with your stuff. People would nobody, drop it like a hot gate. That nobody would buy it. I agree. I agree. Because you have to weed too, to, through yeah. too much of the, the, right. so the, the stuff. The, the point is, is that, um. It might be worth it to some people. I think I would probably still subscribe to it, but it wouldn't be as robust. These models, all these free models are all driven by advertising. Advertising tries to drive you to do something. So, I mean, that's all. I well, okay. So let's, you know, we're talking about, it was interesting. So back again to this Philip um, Agray, which I thought was fascinating. And he was talking about that people did not push back on uh, on the internet the concept of the internet because they felt like um if it wasn't big brother gathering information about you then it was okay because it was it would be your information would be spread out upon you know uh, amongst all these entities but what's happened is is that indeed that information has become central about you um and so these messages that are targeted uh, the seo the search engine optimization you know how things follow you around while you're searching on the internet and then next thing you know you you're 
you know, receiving advertisements and, you know, uh, personalized messages to you to cause you to change your behavior. Yeah, right. So is that is that going to make you change your behavior? Well, it's like, you know, you, you you're, well, you're, you're looking on. at a pair of shoes, you, got, you know, well, it was, it was, they, they so were kind of cute. And then all of a sudden it just keeps coming at you. You're thinking, do I need them? Do I need them? Do I need them? I, I think it's just, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. We're, we're adults, but imagine how, imagine the impact it has on children. You know, to think that, that we of our generation that were born in the 50s, 60s and 70s, that we completed our formative years without much of anything going on um that we could live in a world without this yeah um but but the kids that's that's not true that's not true at all okay well i mean you know i don't know what to tell you i think there's a cautionary tale in there i'm just glad i'm not raising kids these days guess who this is i have no clue who was i just talking about at the beginning at the at the top of the uh at the top of the hour. You're saying it's Roseanne Cash's better half. I think they're still married. This is one of his older songs. So he and my buddy Rodney Foster kind of had a similar sound. Oh, I love this guy. Grew up in Houston, I think. Stay with us. We're going to have Rock Daniels in the second half. Should be a lively interview. We'll be with you. I love technology. We'll be back. (laughs) Come on up. We're getting used to this stuff. Cat. Cat. <laughs> I still dream about that. All right. We're not going to spend too much time on the music. Don't put it down yet. <laughs> My problem is I had this thing turned down. This is the Osborne brothers who uh, are from Hyden, Kentucky. But this song was adopted by the Tennessee legislature as their official song that would have had to take place in nashville but this song is a big song in knoxville on fall weekends like every time they score a touchdown it's obnoxious but i won't say that too loudly because i have rock daniel sitting here with me who is a graduate of that fine University in the SEC in Knoxville, Tennessee. No, he's not. He's you College of Charleston. You, oh, well, I thought you went to UT. They wouldn't let me in. But you're from Knoxville, right? I'm from Bristol. Oh. Well, I'm from further just, east Tennessee. Okay, they I'm not even going to start over because we don't have time. I could have screwed that one up. But you're from Tennessee. You always talk to me about being a UT Vols fan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I grew okay. up going to uh, Neyland Stadium every single weekend with my grandfather. All right, we're All right, backing so up. We got that we're part, backing right. up. <laughs> yeah. We have Rock Daniels joining yeah, us today. He's, he's running for uh, uh, 11th District council that, that i was stealing missy's thunder on that deal. that's all right but we've had something similar going on in the sense that we don't feel like 
everything you just bring it down there yeah um we do all this ourselves by the way it's not a professional studio but that's kind of part of why people seem to like us because it's home cooked here on the tom dupree show and i'm glad to have rock here because he has been lifting up his voice against what he and i both seem to think are some of the problems around this city uh, regarding the crime wave. But why wouldn't there be a crime wave? If you pull the funding for the police and then you tell the ones that are out there, you know, you can't do this, 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 and this because of this, of course crime's going to proliferate. Why would it not? It just makes all the sense in the world. Who doesn't it make sense to? The people running our government. the mayor uh a lot of the people on the council who just cluelessly have passed this recent budget that gives money for all kinds of things like a food truck for homeless people i mean you look in some of the stuff and there is nothing at all realistic about what's in that budget and i don't know if you've read it closely rock but it's nuts and you're gonna jump right in yeah i'm gonna let you go with this but let's talk a little bit about how you got here what makes you interested in in being involved in government because i know your background's real estate and just tell me how you got going on this well i mean my background goes all the way back to when i was in bristol tennessee you know i was uh captain of my football team wrestling team track soccer um you know, band, choir, everything. I was involved with everything. You know, I did go to the United States Merchant Marine Academy, Kings Point, New York, uh, really? and I was in the Naval Reserve up there. Um, so I came to Lexington 20 years ago, and I fell in love with the city as soon as I got here because it was warm, loving, um, very inviting for a guy that looks like me. And for those of you who can't see me, I'm a uh, tall, half Pakistani, half Italian guy, so I'm very brown. So in uh, certain parts of the South, when I was in Charleston, South Carolina, I wasn't accepted as well as I was in Lexington. Uh-huh. Lexington's a great city to live in. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have the crime that we had back then. Yeah. So, you know, I, I decided to run for city council because I figured we needed, you know, stronger leadership. You know, we, there were a lot of things that needed changing. Well, we need somebody who will actually talk about what the problem is. What we have over there now is – a cult of personality around the mayor that's there, and she's got these little followers who wouldn't dare say anything negative, and then a whole bunch of other people that just don't talk. I mean, it, it, you, it, you get on there, and I guarantee you with your personality, honey, you'll be an oddball. Mm-hmm. You will stand out. I'll be I'll be just like Richard Maloney probably because he's, he's the oddball out there right he now. He is, but but – You'll be worse than him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I read uh, your August 12th yes. tweet? Um, maybe you can talk just a little bit about that. You, you, you tweeted, it's the Wild West in downtown Lexington today. Multiple shootings just 100 yards from downtown police station and city hall. We need to wake up. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I own property all over downtown, um, throughout the, the north side, the east end. 
So I've been I've been a part of this community and seeing the growth that's happened in this community. But it's kind of like if you, if John Calipari was only allowed to play three players, and that, I don't care if they're the number one, number two, number three players in the country, they're not going to win a national championship because they don't have a full squad on the court. We are 112 police officers short right now. We've got 150 police officers that are eligible for retirement right now, and we're not doing anything about Ouch. it. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, how scary is that? If these guys all retire, and ladies retire, I mean, we're in trouble, you know, and we're not doing anything about it. And we've got people in charge who are sitting there saying, you know, we don't have a problem. You know, the day before the shootings downtown, you know, the mayor was giving her speech about the Breeders' Cup uh, at the Fifth Third Pavilion. What if that had happened the day before? You know, while this big speech and ceremony is going on, what if it happens in at the end of October and November when we have six straight days of two concerts a night in the Fifth Third Pavilion? I want to know what they're going to do about the homeless population. That I, I just took a picture again of uh, a couple that has set up an entire little uh, community with their golf their golf carts. Listen to me, their shopping carts mm-hmm. on the 300 block of Main Street. Absolutely. They slept there all night. They were there this morning. And they still, I don't know that they, they hadn't moved when I went to lunch today. Well, you, you also have a lot of good people like, you know, Ann McBrayer or Ann, Ann Backus, who's uh, leading the uh, Town Branch Park. I mean, if we keep going the way we're going, that beautiful park that we're spending millions and millions of dollars on, that's going to be a tent city. You know, yeah, it's going right. to be a tent city like they have in Los Angeles and San Francisco that's or right. Portland. It's a good point. And I've known Ann since grade school. Um, let me ask you this. What qualifies you to be a council member? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't take much, judging by the crowd over here. What qualifies you, let me change the question, to be a better than average city council member and average being what's there now? Well, let's, let's compare me just to the person I'm running against. I mean, that's the better than that. The person I'm running against has a background in ballet. She's a ballerina. Um, me, I have a background, obviously, military. I own property all throughout downtown Lexington. I've been mm-hmm. on multiple boards uh, and nonprofit boards where I have given of my time, not been paid to be on work for a nonprofit, which is good work, but I have not done that. I've lead, I've been a leader on these boards. I've been president of these boards. Um, I'm Did pre- you ever take a class in ballet? In ballet, no. But as Willie Galt, that great Tennessee wide receiver, yeah. said, ballet was what made him the great. Uh, <laughs> okay, receiver. now wait a minute. In all fairness, she does have. Um, she was a maybe a gym owner in Mexico. Had an anthropology background and did a little bit of fundraising. I, I know this because back uh, Tom did a radio show months ago um, after the you know the passing of the largest budget ever for the city, and he said, "How many people have a business background that are sitting on?" the current council, and I did that research for him. And, of course, um, really the only one with serious, serious, quantifiable, you know, quantifiable three-letter CPA was Fred Brown. Absolutely. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, you've got, um, you've got uh, some, some smatterings of other, but, you know, Fred Brown was the CPA. Absolutely. So, so I mean, uh, strong business. I mean, you've got to have people who are business leaders who can look at a budget and say, hey, this is not work. right. It does not work. It's not going to work. No. 
And until we solve some of our main problems, I mean, obviously I'm in construction. So when I build a house, I don't build a million dollar bathroom before I build a strong foundation. So until we put that strong foundation, which is police, fire, EMS, one, affordable housing, two. You know, we could have taken the 120 million that we got from the federal government and focused a lot of that money towards affordable housing. You know, uh, Holly Wiedemann, she built the really nice place over on Antique Drive next to my house. It's uh, for it's affordable housing for elderly people. That thing probably costs four million dollars. If we put sixty million towards affordable housing, we have fifteen of those across Lexington, yeah. and we disperse affordable housing across our entire city instead of concentrating it in one area. Here's the problem, in my opinion. Lexington has become too government driven. The private sector has not been allowed to do what it does all well not all but 65 to 70 percent of the land in Fayette County is constrained as to its use through things like this urban service boundary the PDR program a lot of these farms they've been they've taken the money and now they're not really productive because it's like somebody, they sold their farm to get the PDR money. I don't see how, if we keep going the route we're going, we can sustain our tax base, keep being productive as a city, and pay for all the urban services. Something's got to change. I mean, you know, Georgetown fixed its problems for generations to come by allowing Toyota to come there. Now the tax revenues from the Toyota plant, not only the uh, property tax, but all the payroll taxes and the things of people that work there. Georgetown's always going to be in pretty good shape. You know, we have run people like that off. Well, and that's partly because of my father-in-law, who's the mayor of Georgetown and was the mayor that brought Toyota (laughs) to Georgetown. Um, But, you know, if we don't fix this, uh, public safety problem, we're not going to attract the businesses that we need to bring the jobs, that bring the payroll taxes, right. that are going to pay for the services. Our problem was when we got the ARPA, which is the federal money, the $120 million, we did all of these fluff projects all over town, and we didn't focus in on the core things that would make our city safe, that would attract other, other uh, businesses to bring those jobs which would bring those payroll taxes, which then we could have paid for those other things. You know, we put the cart before the horse, and it just wasn't right. You can't. Here's the problem with the ARPA thing. It's a one-time deal. It it, it seems to me that you have got to develop – you got to fix your cash flow problems. The 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 pension fund is always going to be hemorrhaging money because it was a bad deal for the taxpayers. The reason there's 150 police officers getting ready to retire is because it's too lucrative for them not to stay on. You work 22 years and you're gone. People are in that thing because of the retirement. The retirement was deal was cut by Sheila Isaacs. And uh, the, uh, the and the um, the pension board and and it was an inside deal, and the taxpayer was left out of it. We've screwed ourselves six ways to Sunday, because we are under a separate KRS uh, designation as LFUCG. 
you had people that could run things through the legislature through somebody like Tom Buford down in in uh, Jessamine County who would attach something to a bill special interests have have jacked around with this thing because it doesn't have to play by the same rules as all the other cities we got problems and it's going to have to be fixed i think that the LFUCG was meant to be a good thing but they should have never put it under its own KRS. And now it's been screwed with. And I mean, when, when the pigeons really start coming home to, you know what, on this, this whole pension thing, nobody talks about it. We got it. We got issues that are way bigger than, than, than I hate to say it, but they're bigger than shootings. I mean, they threaten our financial viability. Well, well, you've got people in office that don't have any business background in my opinion, and they don't look at things like this is one-time money that we got from the federal government. One time, one hundred and twenty. And they're spending money like it's. Well, they're spending it on things that have recurring costs. Yeah. Meaning That's, next year and the next year yeah. and the next year, we're going to have to bring in more money, and we're not. How are we going to bring in that money? That's the question that we as citizens need to ask. Council. When, when do you, when do when when is the election? November eighth. Okay. So you're running hard. I mean, do we, which district? Is the 11th. 11th district. Where 11th is district. that? 11th district is uh, Metathorpe, out uh, downtown. Leastown Road. Out, uh, out Leastown Road, out Versailles Road, Alexandria Drive. Go for Distillery it. District. You got to do it. I've got to. You got you to get this done, man. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. But, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend like I'm being fair to everybody on these things. I mean, if the other lady wants to come in, that's fine. We'll give her, extend her an invitation. You have extended an invitation. Okay. The mayor has ignored us. Uh, we've already She's, had David Clorber. No, I mean, they said they would get back to us. She, they responded. They responded. We, we were giving everybody an opportunity to have No, I mean, they've ignored the opportunity of, of coming on so the show. Forth, yes. So, you know, I mean, you're going to have to understand if you want change in this community, you got to be comfortable with being the only voice asking for it because most people, 90% of the people just don't care. They're apathetic. They don't care what happens unless it really affects them. And right yet, they haven't felt it yet. When they start to, it'll be too late. Well, and there are people running for city council that have certain agendas and they're going door to door telling people what they want to hear and not telling them their true agenda. You know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing pictures of people online doing things that I mean, make, make me really sick as a guy who, you know, did serve our country and stuff like that. But, um, so well, like, give me an example. I don't know anything about any of this. Ah, well, there's a, there's a candidate out there who was, uh, endorsed by, uh, the Herald leader who had pictures of himself on the uh, Facebook saluting the communist flag. Yeah, I did hear about that. You know, Ooh. I mean, he's uh, got a picture with him and Lenin's iron fist on his chest. Yeah, I've I heard mean, about that guy. I mean, and, and this is the guy that got second in votes for city council at large. I mean, do people even know about this? Do people, I mean, this is the direction that we want our city to go? Yeah. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. We talked about this. Um, you know, I, I think it is interesting when any board I've ever served on, we always look for, well, 
the board holistically looks for gifts and talents of so that they can you know proceed forward in the best foot possible. So you know we need all the finan- we need X amount of financial people. We need X amount in the legal uh, you know the legal uh, entity world. We need X amount in marketing. X amount in you know so that we can as a board be as effective as possible. And it's funny because you know election the city council doesn't that doesn't that's not the way it operates right. Each council person is out there, you know. Uh, reaching their their community and trying to reach them with a message that's a bruise point, a, a you know a, a hit point for them and them alone. And so when Tom asked me to look at everybody's background on the city council, you know it is overwhelmingly nonprofit. Um, you know uh, I philosophy. Didn't, I didn't ask you to do that. You did that on your own. Okay, so I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't be blaming me. Well, I mean, I was, I was just curious, you know, how many people had a finance background? If, if the, if the complaint was that it seemed reckless in spending, you know, uh, like a drunken sailor spending what, you know, it all, it all looks good. It all kumbaya makes everybody feel good, but you know, is it the they, best They had a budget. For- I, I heard one of the, a well-known city council member, she's out there she's running for state senate she said oh we went through this process what they did was they went around to these departments and they said how much money do you need to spend she said we all worked real hard on the budget and then there was nobody there that was a number cruncher that said you can have this you can't have that the person that did got shut down there was there was because and so for this lady uh who's been on this show before to go out and say oh we worked so hard on the budget just it's like tell me how much you want to spend and we'll give it to you absolutely yeah it's 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 stupid go for this you you got you got well, you, know, you got to make this happen the, you know the other thing is and this is something that uh, really caught me off guard because i wanted to know the true financials i wanted to know what the city councilman and women were spending our money on. So I had an open records request done that I took all of their spending habits of every city council person who's currently on council all the way back to 2018. You know what I found? I found people who are spending money on their own private stuff. People buying their own lunches, people buying their own uh, cell phone cases and cell phone uh, accessories, spending public dollars on private items, which you are not allowed to do. And so, if we've and got people, nobody looking at and it nobody's up. looking at it, nobody, you know, nobody in the media is out there doing any of these open records requests, looking at the fact that these people are spending our money on their own private stuff, and that they're the ones who are running an almost half a billion dollar budget. You know. It's an 18% increase from current year's budget, largest ever, ever. Yeah, it's it's insane. With I mean, only two so, no I mean, votes I'm, at the end. I can't help you much, but I'm I'm showing you to my listeners. So, you know, let's uh, – all right, here's the music. Crank it so up. So, Rock Daniels, uh, running for councilman, candidate for city council, District 11. You can, you can always find us on uh, Campaign for Rock Daniels on Facebook. Uh, we're on YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're we're all over. So, click that like button. Follow Rock us. Daniels. We've Benji- got some great Benjamin Rock Daniels. Benjamin Rock. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, here's the Dolly Parton version. Rock See, I, I thought you went to UT. This is this is to a bunch they, of UT graduates. Uh, they found out I could read real good and wore shoes. They said you got to get out. <laughs> so, um, 
You talk about somebody who's smart, Dolly. She must, I bet she's a billionaire. Look, look, look at all the stuff she's developed. What she's done there in Pigeon Forge. Oh, absolutely! It's unbelievable. Oh, you see the stuff she's doing for kids in the books. It's unbelievable. Really a great. Life. Thanks for joining us for the Tom Dupree Show. Stay with us. We got the finance guys coming next hour. We'll be back. <laughs>